This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I love the city, I've been browsed. Treading water that they drowned. My head on a swivel, yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 131 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You used to be able to find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. New name's going to be dropping soon, you know, once I get out of jail here. It makes me feel like a real criminal. But speaking of criminal, guys, we have an awesome guest on. No, not speaking of criminal, but the the, the way his he's been like taking over on Twitter lately. Uh, great friend in the industry. We've had him on here before at Dynasty Zoltan. How you doing tonight, brother? Hey, man. Uh, doing well. It's great to be back, but I, I got to say the uh, Twitter streets are not the same without you. Right. right? I, I, I'm i on there on like the Smash Accept handle and it just, dude, it just doesn't feel right. It, it just, it's not the same, but hey, I'm back on Twitter. I'm having some fun. And I mean, one thing, and, and we really started vibing over the last couple months yeah. through this 23 class, you know, and your threads and the content that you've been putting out have been absolutely phenomenal. And you inspired me to start putting those threads out there. And dude, you have been putting in some serious work in this off season. You know, I know this is a couple years into the industry. And I, I think this year you're really taking your level, your, your skills in and what you do to the next level. And for you guys that don't follow him, you have to follow at dynasty Zoltan, but tell them what you have going on. Cause it's, it's really an awesome product that you're putting out over there. Yeah, thanks, man. I I mean, it, it's been awesome for for me just to like you know be able to meet all these people and experience some of this growth. But personally, I'm just grinding right now through the 2023 class. Um, I go really deep on every player. I try to watch between eight and 15 games of every player. I am coding every single play and grading it. Um, and that goes into my film rankings. And then my, my background is in statistics. That's my day job. So uh, I do a lot for the quantitative rankings as well. So I put a lot of that stuff on Twitter. I'm doing profiles on each each individual rookie, uh, obviously ranking the class. Um, and I uh, also have a Patreon account uh, where, you know, I'm posting uh, really all of the data I have, really detailed profile on every rookie in the draft and, you know, ideally making it so, you know, you dominate your rookie draft because this is one that's going to be important. Uh, the way that I play Dynasty, the rookie draft is the basis of all that I do. This is where value turns into production. And without putting in the work in the offseason, you're just going to be at a disadvantage. Absolutely. And we had you on a couple months back where you and I really started to, to talk about year one punts and, yeah. and that productive struggle. And I've watched you do it in multiple leagues. You're an absolute master at it. I've, I've, I've started doing that myself. And I think part of this community is learning from other people. You know, like none of us have all the answers. I've learned those things from you. I know you have, uh, you've learned some things from me. Mm -hmm. But as far as like you doing that and then watching you draft rookies, you know, like the first couple of years I drafted with you, I was all win now, right? And I, yeah. and I, I definitely have a, a knack for winning. But then it's like, I started seeing what you're doing and I'm like, man, for those of you listeners that don't know, talk to them a little bit about, you know, that year one punt, that productive struggle and how much that sets you up for a year like this year. Yeah. So the year one punt, it's my number one strategy. Basically in a rookie draft, all I'm focusing on is value. I'm usually punting the running back position. I'm definitely punting all players above the ages of 27, um, unless it's a guy who's injured. So he falls for that reason. Uh, it's really just easy to take advantage of uh, people discounting time, basically. So I could have drafted a guy last season like Calvin Ridley in the 13th, 14th round when he was suspended. You know for a fact he's going to be an eighth-round value this startup season. Absolutely. It's just that simple appreciation. Draft picks are the same way. Right now, you could get a 24 first for you know a late seventh-round startup pick. That's going to be the worst place it'll be next year, and it'll probably be a fourth-round startup pick. So my goal is basically win zero money year one. It's make my money back year two. And by year three, I'm winning my leagues at, you know, 
a 30, 35% clip, which gets you to that like two and a half, three X ROI, which is, you know, all you could ever really hope for. Yeah. And, and Adam Armour and I shout out to him, you know, he, him and I recorded something for our Patreon as far as time versus money, you know, like so many people now, they don't see that their dollar now could be worth five next year. You know what I mean? Like they just want to go in there and they want to trade. And, and the big thing that I've always done is I've been in on trades and talking insulated trades where, you know, you see DK Metcalf is worth X and you trade him for at 23 first and, you know, Chris Olave last year. And now all of a sudden Chris Olave is worth more than Metcalf or even to Metcalf. You get that extra the value in there. And then the way that you've been able to nail rookie drafts. I mean, I think what I'm looking at some of my year one punts that I just did recently. And like, I have, we all know about the one where I have 12 first, but there's another one where I have 101 through 105, 111, 112, nine out of the 12 second rounders. And this year, those second rounders are gold and everybody started, started, you know, criticizing on Twitter. They're like, well, you have too many picks for players. Picks are capital. They're not necessarily players. I'm not going to draft all of them. And I know, you know, this is the time of year where in a rookie class like this, it is so deep. I mean, I'm excited to draft. I know you are as well, because this class, a lot of people have really been starting to bring them down after five, but I think there's an area from like 10 to you know 110 to 204 where you're going to get some absolute studs. And that's the biggest thing that we want to start putting, pushing on to people. Absolutely. I mean, we haven't even gotten those guys that are going to get the draft capital boost. And I already have really 20 guys uh, that would have been top 12 picks for me last year. Yes. You know, I was a guy that was low on Pickens, low on Watson. You know, Rashad White was who I was taking at the 201 most times. I have, I have 20 guys who are who I would rank above those. And, you know, my, my composite film and quantitative grades agree. This is going to be an absolutely stacked class. Uh, you know, you look at the depth at running back, you look at four top 10 quarterbacks, and you look at maybe three or four tight ends in the first round. Like, this is going to be a stat class. If you're in a half tight end premium league, you are going to get a potential tight end one at the 206. Like, this is this is a great time to stack up on those second round picks. I've actually been focusing on that a lot in my leagues recently, um, trading players who I think are really risky bets for those second round picks. If you look at a guy like, uh, you know, Miles Sanders or even Joe Mixon, if mm-hmm. I can get an early second for those guys, guys who we don't know what their situation is going to be next year, I'm going to take a player who uh, get that second round pick and get a guy who I know has a value floor. It's like you're saying you're insulating that value there and you're getting the same amount of ceiling because I know we're going to talk a lot about wide receivers uh, during this episode. If you draft a wide receiver at the 201, they could have a terrible season and they're not going to lose value. That's just what we've seen over the last five years in dynasty. So it's, it's really a good time to pick up more second round picks. I know. And one thing I want to talk about, and you, you said we're going to talk wide receivers. I want to talk a little bit about, I, I, I do this all the time on Twitter. I try to compare them and, and see what last year's class looked like. And I think the, the biggest thing, I mean, there's some big names, obviously. I think Garrett Wilson is on the fringe of just becoming just an absolute stud. And there's Drake London, Traylon Burks, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, Pickens, Dotson. I mean, there's so many guys in there. And, and throughout the show, I want to kind of allude where they're at. Who is the wide receiver one in this class for you right now? And where do they rank in according to that? Because I think the biggest thing that I'm trying to show people is rookie fever is there. And someone messaged me the other day and they say, hey, man, I have the 104 and a guy offered me Garrett Wilson. You know, and, and to me, that I, I prefer Garrett Wilson there. But there's there's so many opportunities where people just aren't looking at the big picture. They're just looking at a rookie pick. They're not looking at what they can do with it. So where, who is your wide receiver one and where does he rank in according to those guys from last year? So my wide receiver one with a bullet is Jackson Smith, the Jigba. I don't think it's an argument. I've yet to hear a decent argument for why he wouldn't be the number one. He grades out so highly, no matter how you look at him, Mm -hmm. you know, we've all heard about the athleticism. I know we're at the combines this week. We're all getting pumped to see people run the 40, the truth is the 40 does not matter for wide receivers at all. There is, I think, a 2.2% correlation between 40 time and top 24 wide receiver seasons. It just doesn't matter. So I look at a guy like Jackson Smith, the Jigba, he produced with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave already. He is going to step in from day one and be an absolute animal. And I, I sent out a tweet a week ago, I think, saying, you know, Jamar Chase, promising rookie year. 
broke all the records his sophomore year, sat out junior year, and he's a top five pick. JSN had the exact same trajectory. He didn't play it all this year because of an injury, and now all of a sudden he's going to fall to the second round in the NFL draft, and he's outside some people's top two wide receivers. It doesn't make sense to me. So Jackson Smith, a Jigba, he can do it all. I, I really think he could be like a Justin Jefferson type player in the NFL. Thank you. Yeah, when I did my thread, I had his floor is Amon Ross St. Brown. His yeah. ceiling is Justin Jefferson. You know, and I, I think I think a lot of people are – and we've been doing this for a while, but, I, I mean, Mike, I think people are starting to try to discount this class yeah. because they don't have those picks, you know. And in years past, we would have been excited about this last year. Now people are trying to find the warts on a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, and there aren't many. I mean, you talk about athleticism, but he's still going to run that four late upper 4-4, four, four, so a 4-5. It's not like he's – you know, as slow by any means uh, of that. And his draft stock, if he goes round one, even if he goes round two, he is that guy for me as well. Yeah, he just has to be. I mean, you look at his numbers as a sophomore, and he was in the 98th percentile in PFF grade, 97th percentile in yards per route run, 95th percentile in receiving yards per team pass attempt. And this was on a team with Gary Wilson and Chris Olave. Right. I know we're going to get to comparing them. We know that they're studs in the NFL already. They're top 10 dynasty wide receivers right now. So I think it's hard to rank Jackson Smith and Jigba to get back to your original question. I wouldn't rank him above Garrett Wilson right now, even though all my scout grades say that he's better than Garrett Wilson, because we've seen him do it in the NFL. There's mm -hmm. always bust potential. There's been some questions about, you know, maybe his work ethic. I, I tend not to buy into any of that stuff, but we know Garrett Wilson can do it. So I would not advise trading Garrett Wilson for Jackson Smith, the Jigba. However, he's clear in a way the number one wide receiver in this class. And when you look at compared to last year's wide receivers, you know, you can make the same argument for London and Olave that should be that they should be above him as well. But I'm putting Jackson Smith, the Jigba right below those top three, maybe a half tier below. And if he goes in the first round, especially in the top 20, and if he goes to a good landing spot, all of his underlying numbers are going to be better than those three were as prospects. So for me, he's going to be, you know, right on the borderline of that, you know, tier two wide receiver. And an absolute steal at that 104 range, 103 or 104, 105 range. If you guys can move up now before the hype starts to go, because we're looking at, you know, based off of the pod that we just did, that puts him as a top eight dynasty, maybe top 10 dynasty wide receiver right off the bat in that same area where, you know, you look at, he's definitely going to be above, you know, Metcalf. He's going to be above T Higgins. He's going to be in that area where you have to put him in top 10 right off the bat. And if you guys can move from 107, 108 to 104, now is the time to do it. Because once we, we start to establish longer in the process, we talk about what they did in college and the process that you're doing, but now we're going to get the combine and people are going to start checking more boxes. Then we're going to get draft capital. Then we're going to get to a spot where it's like, you're not going to be able to afford some of these guys. So if you can make those minor tweaks now, I think now is the time to go in and try to do that for Jackson Smith and Jigba. The biggest question I get, Mike, and, and we talked about it a little bit, is Jackson Smith and Jigba or or Jameer Gibbs at that 104. You know, I think we both agree. I mean, everyone agrees. It's Bijan one, and then Stroud or Young, however you have it. And that four or five, you know, that that's going to be a fluid process throughout the entire, you know, rookie season. Yeah, the four or five, it, it's tough. So first of all, just I do have Gibbs as my running back too. There's been some recent pushback against that, and it makes no sense. I've been getting it too, man. I'm on board with you, you know. Listen, I, I my, my RB3 is Charbonnet, who I absolutely love, but Same. Jameer Gibbs is a tier above. It, it's just the upside. We can, He can step in and be Austin Eckler. Like, we can't pass up on a guy like that in Dynasty. And for that reason, especially if I was to draft right now, I would take Gibbs over JSN because I am more confident in his draft capital because even if he goes mid-round two, that's good enough draft capital for a running back. And he has that landing spot upside that just makes him – an absolute animal. Sure, JSN could go to Kansas City or Buffalo, but even then, we don't exactly know what his role will be. If a guy like Jimmy O'Gibbs goes to one of those places or, you know, Philadelphia, even a place like Atlanta where you know he's going to get 20-plus touches, he's just going to be a beast from day one, and we know running backs have a higher ceiling relative to their uh, value of a replacement player compared to wide receivers. So I would take Gibbs right now. They're both in the same tier for me, four and five, but – What's interesting to me is that they might end up being the five and six. Uh, Anthony Richardson, he's gaining a lot of steam. 
He is a dual threat quarterback who's going to be a top 10 draft pick who has a ceiling of a top five dynasty asset. I'm not saying he's going to hit that ceiling, but you can't ignore that. So what I'm doing right now is I'm targeting the 105 and 106 in my drafts because the 104 is tough to get. People have fallen in love with Gibbs. Yeah. They've fallen in love with JSN. If you go target, if you have the 108, 109, throw in a mid second or a late second and go get to the 106. Once you get to May and you look at startup drafts, there's going to be six rookies taken in the top 40 picks of startup drafts, maybe the top 35 picks of startup drafts. And the ninth rookie might be in the you know late fifth round. So you're moving up two plus rounds of a startup draft for a mid to late second round draft pick. You cannot do that in two months. So you got to do it now. There's a huge disconnect right now between rookie values and startup values, like you're mm-hmm. saying, because I, I keep hearing people say, you know, it, it didn't cost me that much to move from 105 to 103 or 108 to 103 in my rookie draft. But if you try to move that area in your startups, 102, 103 right now are solid second round picks. Yeah. 104, 105 are going in the third, you know, so you got to look at longer picture, right? I mean, we know the rookie draft is coming up. But it's part of a bigger picture. It's not just – we. sometimes dynasty owners lose focus of what the big picture is this time of season. Yeah, and one of the things that I, that I do on my Patreon is I put up my startup rankings in tiers with the rookie picks included in there because I know that's how people are drafting right now. Yes. And I have the 104 and 105 as late third-round picks right around Trey Lance and Travis Etienne, right? And if you had to ask me right now – I'd take the 104 over ETN. So it's, it's, it's really that disconnect is something that you can take massive advantage of now. And we were talking about second round picks earlier. It applies to them as well. The last startup that I went in, pick 201 went after Miles Sanders. If you tried to trade Miles Sanders right now, no one's giving you 201. No. Same goes for Isaiah Pacheco. Same goes for Rashad White. Same goes for Cam Akers. The 201 went after all four of those running backs because people want to fill out their starting lineups in a startup draft, which is, as you know, we were talking about earlier, not the way to go about things. But people want to make it look pretty. So go take the 201. You you want to take that sexy screenshot, right, and post it on Twitter. No one wants to have kickers in their screenshots saying, oh, this is the 201. It doesn't have the same impact. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start talking about, I feel like we could vibe on that for a while, but I mean, obviously I want to, I want to talk about these rookie wide receivers because I think that's uh, a value and and I already have them, you know, we we talked about JSN, my wide receiver two, and I believe your wide receiver two is, is also Jordan Addison. And we're in a spot where it's, are they in the same tier? Because we had Matt Hicks on last week, and Matt Hicks said JSN, Addison, Quinton Johnson, Hyatt, and Josh Downs are all one big tier for him. I kind of see it a little bit differently, and I, I just wanted to see where you at uh, on these, these top two to five guys and, and how many tiers separate them. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually don't have Addison as my wide receiver, too. Um, right now I have Josh Downs as my wide receiver, too. Nice. Okay. I'm, all right. I, I'm expecting this to change once we get draft capital in. Um, my model uh, estimating draft capital has Addison higher with my film grades built in. So I will be making that change after the draft. But for now, I have Downs there. In terms of the tier, I got Addison, Downs, and QJ all in the same tier. It's hard to separate them. For me, Addison has by far the highest floor. He has an incredible production profile. We know he won the Bolitnikov his sophomore season at Pitt put up 1,600 yards, was an absolute animal, came to USC, fell off a little bit, but that happens to a lot of transfer players. Addison's got a really, really clean production profile. My problem with him is he's pretty small. He's not that, he's not that fast. He's not that shifty. I don't think he's a great you know, slot route runner. So to me, I'm a little bit worried that he's going to be a master of none and still be an effective NFL player. I could see him being a Christian Kirk type. And listen, Christian Kirk was super useful this season, but I don't see the same upside that I do with a guy like Quentin Johnson, who Johnston, who I don't think is that good at football right now. I hate watching him play. It honestly is kind it of is not pretty. Oh, it's not good. But, but once we get done with the combine, he's going to be almost everybody's wide receiver one. I mean, you know, like there, we're just going to see. And I think that's the biggest thing that I talk about with the combine is we want to double count everything. 
yeah. right? So we're going to have a guy like Quentin Johnson who's going to absolutely fly. A guy like Jalen Hyatt who is going to absolutely fly. Both of these guys probably in that 4-3 range, mm-hmm. possibly even a, a high 4-2 and everyone's just going to lose their mind, right? Like we we did it with DK Metcalf. We did it, you know, and, and DK Metcalf's an absolute stud. So I'm not taking anything away from him. But like we're in a situation here with the combine where these guys are going to shoot up boards. Like it's just going to be, and sometimes they're better for the NFL game because they stretch the field and they do things like that where they they might even get higher draft capital. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of them where Jackson Smith and Jigba is not the, I have not seen one, NFL mock draft where he's the first guy off the board. It's usually Hyatt or or Johnson, you know, and that's kind of where they're at. So talk to me a little bit about that process because I think everyone just gets so excited in the, you know, the underwear Olympics and see what happens about how fast the guy can run his 40. Yeah, and listen, the, the 40 the 40 is the most easily understandable thing for, for people like us who have never played football at, you know, the NFL level. It's easy to say, okay, this guy runs faster than this guy. Ultimately that doesn't matter that much. And the double counting is what's very important because when we watch Quentin Johnson, Johnson on tape and Jalen Hyatt on tape, if they didn't have that speed, they wouldn't be good at all. So we're already factoring that in when I'm making my statistical models and I put things like, you know, average depth of target yard yards per catch uh, yards per route run yards after catch per reception. All of that is built into the fact that they're already fast. So you really shouldn't be double counting that. That being said, when you have a guy like Quentin Johnston, who is a solid six, four, two, 10, who's going to run a four, three, 40, yeah. One of the more translatable statistics from a wide receiver perspective from the combine is size adjusted speed score. So if he's going to run a four, three and if he's going to run a three cone drill in, you know, a six, seven or whatever it's going to be, it, he has that upside of a DK Metcalf. Even if, even if he doesn't have the skills of that right now, you can put him in a system where he's going to learn how to play because listen, he was pretty damn good in college production wise, and he wasn't a very good receiver. So mm-hmm. if he becomes a great receiver, his upside compared to a guy like Addison is just off the charts. So that's why QJ comes in around that range for me. I probably won't draft him because I expect him to go top six in most rookie drafts because, like you said, he's going to elevate from the combine. But he's I mean, the, the upside is just enormous. I, I can't deny it, even though he catches with his elbows mostly. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I've seen that. You know, but in over a thousand yards, three point zero five yards per route run. Yeah. I mean, the guy has has tremendous upside, and I think the same can be said with with Jalen Hyatt as well because he's really moved up up draft boards. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, a lot of people, they, we get so excited about the ceiling, the ceiling of Quentin Johnson, the ceiling of Jalen Hyatt versus the floor of Jordan Addison, the floor of Joshua Downs, and how you attack that in rookie drafts, because I think it's a, a school of thought that you need to at least check into, because some people are just going to see, okay, this guy ran this route, this guy, or not this route, but this speed, and this is where he went in the NFL draft, because I think both of these guys get drafted above Downs and Addison, but how do you look at the, them as a whole? So I think the number one thing, and you were kind of referencing this earlier, is that the NFL is not drafting to get fantasy points, right? The NFL is drafting to get NFL points, real real offensive touchdowns. So when they draft a guy like, like Jalen Hyatt, they're doing it to open up other areas of the game. Uh, I, I think Jamison Williams was a similar draft pick last year. I don't think Jalen Will- Jamison Williams is going to be that good of a player, but I think when he's on the field, it's going to open up more room for DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross mm-hmm. Brown underneath. I think Jalen Hyatt's the same type of player. In terms of his game, he basic all he did was basically run straight. He played Tennessee ran more stacks than I've ever seen. Basically, every single play, they'd have three men out, four men out wide, two stacks on either end of the field, and Jalen Hyatt would be lined off, lined up off the line of scrimmage. I watched nine Jalen Hyatt games, and I saw five plays where he was lined up on the line of scrimmage. So he's he is a slight 170 pounds. If you throw an elbow into him, he will fall down. But when he's running straight, you are not catching him. So. Yeah. He's going to be a guy who can run straight and catch 50-yard touchdowns, but to me, he's not a guy who's ever going to be reliable and ever going to gain any type of fantasy value. He's not a guy like, for instance, Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddell, who are incredibly mm-hmm. agile, incredibly good after the catch. Jalen Hyatt, for a guy his speed, as below average 
uh, yards after the catch numbers. It's it's just not he, – he's going to be a guy that's useful in the NFL for what he does for the spacing. It's like having a three-point shooter like Kyle Korver, right? Even if he's only shooting three times a game, the guy's glued to him out on the perimeter, so it's four-on-four four for the rest of the game. Big That's Sixers fan right. here, so I like the Kyle Korver reference. Hey, he's top I, 10 all-time in threes, man. But you you were absolutely right when you said Jalen Hyatt. I mean, as far as where he lines up, 87% of his snaps were not on the line. You know yeah. and that That's absurd. He finished sixth in yards per route run. But, I mean, this is a guy that 67 balls for 1,267 yards – 15 touchdowns and a 32% dominator rating. And that stuff's going to jump off. But I, I see what you're saying there. I mean, he has everything at his disposal to be a Jamison Williams, to be a Will Fuller, even a healthy Will Fuller, where a guy that he's going to burn, he's going to have some serious boom busts. And I see a lot of people are huge on Jamison Williams. And I know you and I literally own next to no shares. I have zero. I don't know how many you have, but we've, we've, we've discussed that because it's like, I saw, you know, I love Dave Kluge, you're a great guy in the community. He put, you know, all of the touchdowns or touches that he would have had, or even the ones that were called back, were 40-plus yards. That's the kind of thing you're going to get from Jalen Hyatt, you're going to get from Jamison Williams, that you got from Will Fuller when he was a healthy player in his first two years. You know, some of those games where it's three catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns on a couple bombs, but then the next week you're going to get four for 32, you know, and you're not going to have those same things where a guy like Josh Downs and I, I, we were arguing about this a little bit in the discord where Josh Downs and and Jordan Addison have much higher floors or they're, they're better at what they do, but Jalen Hyatt and and Quentin Johnson, the ceiling on those guys, their, their draft capital is just going to keep going up and up and up. Yeah. And and I actually, uh, having said some not nice things about Jalen Hyatt, I have money on him at plus 400 to be the first wide receiver off the board because I know that the NFL likes that type of stuff. So Jalen Hyatt's going to be a guy who's going to be in the first round of rookie drafts. I'm going to have zero shares of him. And I really hope he goes to a place like Kansas city or Buffalo just to elevate that draft stock even more, because he's not going to be a guy that you can depend on. He's going to be a guy that's going to blow up maybe in best ball, but he's going to, he's going to be like Gabe Davis numbers, right? He's going to blow up on your bench. And when you play him, he's going to have one catch for 35 yards. Talk to me a little bit about that. Cause that, that's something where I've been ranking, you know, like I've ranking guys for the rookie class and they're like, dad, if you don't want this guy, why are you ranking there? And I'm like, Value is value. Just because I don't want to come away from the draft with Jamison Williams last year doesn't mean I'm going to not know my league mates and try to move back and get Traylon Burks or move into an area and get a guy that I want. And in this class, there's so many guys I want where I I feel like moving down a tier, moving into a certain area, everyone starts to, they're going to look at your rankings and say, hey, this guy's here. Why wouldn't you take player X above player Y? Just because they might have more value doesn't mean you're going to own more of those. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and that's and that's why you always have to look at things in tiers, right? And I would I would never advise to draft uh I don't know who uh Nathaniel Dell over Jalen Hyatt, right? Just cuz right. his his value's not even close and that's not even a guy I've scouted, but it just doesn't make any sense. What you need to do is you need to trade down, you know, 8 to 10 slots and then and then draft the guy that you actually want. But that's a tough thing about rankings, right? Because a little bit of it is, you know, you're giving advice to people and I want to be able to say, you know, but, you know, I think Jalen Hyatt, if I was actually ranking, he'd probably be in, you know, my, you know, late second round. But realistically, I know he has the value of a late first rounder. So you do have to really balance that out. Um, The one other thing to think about is that, a guy like Jalen Hyatt's not going to lose a lot of value, especially between now and September, and even between now and September 2024. Mm-hmm. We look at these rookies, Jamison Williams, you know, he had, I think, one catch last season. I know he One was catch for 40 yards and a touchdown, and yeah. he has not lost value at all. Exactly. He's gained value. He's a yeah, first so. startup pick. It's yeah. insane. So. Obviously, we hope that Hyatt plays more the season than Jamison did, but even so, he's all of these rookies, especially at wide receiver, are pretty much value proof. So if you fall into a situation, I did have several shares of Jamison Williams that I drafted last season. You know, if I have five picks in the first round of a draft and he's sitting there for me, I'm going to take him, but I'm going to flip him later. So 
don't worry about drafting a guy like Jalen Hyatt because rookie wide receivers are such flexible currency. Everyone wants yes. more wide receivers. No one's like, oh, I already have six wide receivers. I don't want a seventh. No, if there's a rookie wide receiver, you're going to want him. Uh, so it, it's really easy to flip those guys. It's liquid currency. So just draft them if they're the obvious choice and then flip them. Perfect. Cause, and, and the idea there is I did draft one Jamison Williams share last mm-hmm. year. I took Jamie Williams share. Well, I was sitting at the 107. I got a 24 second to move back from the 107 to the 108. I was like, yeah, sure. It was two years away. He took Alave. I took Jamison Williams. Okay, I like Alave. I'm in the playoffs. You know, two weeks before the uh, before we get to the deadline, I flip Jamison Williams for Tyreek Hill. Yep. Win it all, and now all of a sudden, now I have Tyreek Hill in a 24 second. Where I wouldn't have had right. So like, don't just look at it like I'm gonna go and. And stretch for Sky Moore, you know, so like so many people did last year, or, or right now I'm going to stretch for Zay Flowers over these guys, and I love Zay Flowers, so I'm not I'm not talking trash on on that area. Right now, we talked about those top three: London, Wilson, Olave, in that same area as, as JSN. Now let's talk about Traylon Burks, Christian Watson, George Pickens. How do they stack up about the guys that we just talked about? Because we just talked about Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson, Jalen Hyatt, Joshua Downs. How do they compare to, say, Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, and and Christian Watson? Yeah, so um, if I'm ranking the 22 and 23 classes, those three you mentioned are a tier. Then JSN's in that next tier, right below JSN, and arguably in the same tier as Traylon Burks. So... JSN was number four overall for me in my total grade since 2018 wide receivers. Traylon Burks was fifth. I love Traylon Burks as a prospect coming out, and I loved him last year. He, It was a tough situation to come into. He had injuries on and off. He had a terrible quarterback and a run-first offense. But he put up good efficiency numbers, and I really do think he's going to blow up uh, this season or next. It's, it's going to happen. So I have Traylon Burks fifth pretty clearly and Christian Watson in the same tier right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I was going on a whole stream earlier on Twitter about Christian Watson. He is so undervalued right now. It's actually insane. I saw I him go. I saw him go for the one twelve yesterday. And I was like, oh. you've been on that Watson. I, I'm right there with you. Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks, according to DLF this time last year was the one Oh one. He was my wide receiver, yeah. you know, one, two throughout the process. And now it's just, we knew he had to go to the right situation where they were going to get manufacture him touches, let him play kind of Debo Samuel type, and get him some A.J. Brown looks because once the ball's in his hands, he's phenomenal. But Christian Watson's someone where every time I bring him up in the Discord, every time I bring him up to my friends, they're like, yo, Christian Watson's not that guy. Tell me why he is. Uh, so Christian Watson, he was 11th in yards per route run last year. He averaged 17 points per game in the last eight games of the season. And that includes a game that, yep. And that includes a game that he only played 38% of the snaps. He was fourth in yards after catch per reception. He, he had some drop issues, some, some uh, really focused drops, but he was second in contested catch rate. Christian Watson was just unbelievable last year. And I did not like him as a prospect. So you know, you got to admit when you were wrong, I was wrong on him. There's a discount on Watson because Rodgers is leaving, probably. I don't that's know it. Who cares? Everyone I know, but that's – I'm saying you're getting a discount for yeah. that. That's, that's that's it. Jordan Love might be worse than Aaron Rodgers, but he might be better too, like, at, at least in terms of pure volume for a guy like Christian Watson and taking risks and stuff like that. Aaron Rodgers was not a prolific passer last year. He hasn't been for really two years. So I, I really think that Watt, there's such ceiling for Watson. So to me, I'm taking all five of those 2022 guys above Addison, Quentin Johnson, and Josh Downs. And that's why I think some people are saying the 2023 class is a little bit disappointing because we're talking about wide receivers today. And I think it's really logical to rank Five, if not, you know, if you love Pickens or you love Dotson, maybe six or seven above the wide receiver two from this year. Wide receiver is just not the strength of this class, and that's yeah. okay. There's depth, but there's not that elite talent. I, I mean, there is elite talent, there's upside, but there's not the sure things as the five guys that we've already mentioned who've already performed at an NFL level. But so I think the difference being last year, those guys were all early 
to mid first round picks Mm -hmm. where this year, these running backs, these quarterbacks, I mean, last year, all you had was Kenny Pickett to kind of go in that area and then Brees Hall and Walker. And then we were trying to reach on other guys where this year we have a slew. We have four quarterbacks that are going to go in the first round. And then you got at least three running backs that are going to go the first round before a guy goes to Buffalo before a guy goes to Miami before landing spots, make a guy like tank Bigsby shoot up into that first round. Cause he went to the bills, you know, or, or there's just so many or, variables yeah, that are going to create Michael, value here. Yeah. Or Michael Meyer goes to Cincinnati or, yeah. or, or, you know, Dalton Kincaid goes to Buffalo and they move on for, or go to Jacksonville and they move on from Ingram. Like you're completely right in my rankings right now. I have downs Addison and Johnston as my nine, 10 and 11 and guys like Butte and Hyatt as my 14 and 16. This is why we're saying the second round is going to be massive. Because like you said, a guy like Tank Bigsby is going to go to Buffalo in the third, and all of a sudden he's going to be a first-round pick. So you're going to be able to get these wide receivers, you know, people who are bordering on top 30 dynasty wide receivers, maybe even top 24, in the late first, early second of this rookie draft. And and that's why – these picks are so valuable. 110 to 204. I keep saying it. It's the smash zone. You know, yeah. like you and I have been talking about it for months, trying to to put ourselves into positions. And I think the biggest thing is navigating these tiers and putting yourself into a position because I don't see the tiers breaking massively. You know, I see a couple guys moving up with draft capital. Let's let's move on to the next couple guys in that list. You know, the the Kayshawn Boutte, Zay Flowers. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna list a couple of guys here because we're we're yeah. getting to an area where I want to see where you have your tiers. But for me, I have Boutte at six, Zay Flowers at seven, and then it kind of then it tails off a little bit. But for me, I like Rashi Rice, Cedric Tillman, Marvin Mims, and, and you know, there's a couple guys in that area which I know right now there it's early on that aren't super exciting. But let's talk about the the talent that we have in that area. Yeah, absolutely. Um... So Marvin Mims is an interesting one. He grades pretty well analytically, and I absolutely hated his tape. Uh, He's a guy who will run a beautiful slot fade and won't run anything else. Uh, So Marvin Mims is a guy that I'm taking – he's off my draft board. Um, He's, he's, you know, if I wanted to tear it out, he's probably somewhere as an early third, but he's basically off my draft board. Uh, Rachi Rice is a guy you mentioned who I really do like. Um, I thought the tape on him was super interesting. He grades quite well analytically. The the draft capital is a question, but he has a very interesting game. He's incredibly versatile. He's got really good hands. He's got clean route running. And some of his underlying metrics are really just, you know, top five in the class. If you just look at his production, he was in, you know, the 90th percentile there, um, even age weighted and he was getting, you know, 95th percentile dominated rating. So he's a guy I'm interested in, but we're getting to the level of wide receiver where it really just depends on the draft capital and landing spots so much. Um, the what guy, about, what about Zay flowers? Cause if you're looking at dominator rating, he's number one in yeah. the country right yeah. now, after a great senior bowl, I mean, he's in that conversation. A lot of people are saying as a first round draft capital, I saw Fantasy Pros was was comping him to Antonio Brown already. You know, like what what do you see out of him? And he's a guy that right now probably two oh six to two oh eight range, yeah, and could become a value that could slightly creep up boards. So Zay Flowers is the type of guy that um, it makes you really need to look at more than one number because the dominator rating. You're exactly right. But if you dive into how good he actually was on an efficiency basis, he's not that impressive of a profile. Yards per route run, he's middle of the pack. Uh, Points per target, he's middle of the pack. BC just had a really weird system where he was their only option. And listen, he's a good player. I I think he's going to be a player in the NFL. I actually really liked his film. Um, He can attack all three levels of the field, which is something that I really value. He can play in the slot or out wide. It's still... He might not be big enough to play out wide in the NFL, but he can play some Z. He'll be fine. I, I think the thing about Zay Flowers is he needs to be in a position where a team is patient with him and creative with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a different player than Sky Moore, but I almost fe- view his uh, situation similarly, where he's not going to be – I don't think he's going to go on the field and just dominate from day one. I think – he needs to be in a place where he can grow a little bit. And the problem with that is that he's going to be 23 years old uh, day one of his rookie year. So 
I like Zay Flowers, and I think when he goes round one, he's going to get a huge boost. But to be honest, I'm probably going to take running backs in that range over a guy like him. What about I mean, what? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the same way. I'm, I'm loading up on running backs. And we talk about if if we get to that late first round, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing Downs in there. I'm seeing Johnson. I'm seeing Hyatt. Booty, I know you're not huge on, but he, you know, there's there's some opportunity yeah. there. But I mean, you got to look at Charbonnet. You got to look at Zach Evans, Tank Bigsby. I mean, there's so many guys that are gonna be vaulted into that area that that I like. You know, Sean Tucker even. I mean, there's there's yeah. guys in there. I know we we wanted to talk all wide receivers, but I mean, that running back class. I've been saying it all all off season. Where I am not, and, and we found out today with Leonard Fournette, obviously going to be you know moving around. It's Rashad White season for the time being, uh, but he, the thing is that there are so many jobs that are not locked in. Yeah. You know, I see everybody going out there saying buy Khalil Herbert right now. Everybody's saying going out and buying Rashad White. There are guys like Miles Sanders out there. There's guys like. Saquon's not locked up. There's so many running backs. Now you add Leonard Fournette into the mix. All these guys that might get cut. I mean, so many things, moving pieces. First off, everybody's been asking me right now, go buy Rashad White. I said, no, your time to buy Rashad White was when you and I were talking about drafting him last year and buying him before he before Fournette got hurt. And then even a month ago, but now is not the time. Like now you wait until they sign, you know, James Robinson or they draft you know, a guy that's not going to maybe H on Johnson or someone that's not really going to, or Rashawn Johnson, it's not really going to change anything that is drastic. And I think we have such a fluid process here of the running back position and the rookies. And I wanted to get your take on just how you see things breaking down. Yeah. I mean, basically the way that, the way that we view it is the locked in, let's say, you know, top fifth, top 12 guys, no matter what in the draft are going to, we have four quarterbacks, we have at least two running backs and we have at least three wide receivers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that right there is nine players. And that is not even mentioning any of the running backs of Charbonnet, Evans, Tucker, Bigsby, Miller, Akane. It goes on and on. Yeah. So basically with, with the two Oh three, let's say you're probably going to get the RB four, RB five in the draft. You're probably going to get, the third, second or third best landing spot after Gibbs and Bijan. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be at least as good of a landing spot as if Rashad White gets no one drafted to him. So you, if you trade Rashad White, if you trade the 203 for Rashad White right now, you're basically paying ceiling price and you're getting rid of all the risk. I mean, you're taking on all the risk because – if the 203, that's not Zach Evans. If Zach Evans goes to a bad place, you don't have to draft him. You could draft a different running back. Mm-hmm. Rashad White, if he gets Zach Evans drafted there, then you're absolutely dead. So guys like Rashad White, really any one of that early second value, you should be insulating the value by trading them. Um, well, and the then process, get- right? We, we talk about process over results all the time. And if you drafted Rashad White at 206 last year, or yeah. two, and, and now all of a sudden you could get, I saw a guy trade him for the one, 108, man. Like, I, I'm just like, if you get top 12 draft capital in this class for a guy like Rashad White, you're going to be ecstatic, you know? Even down to that, I think even, I, I think you could get 203 plus for him. Yeah. Yeah, basically you're just you're just rolling the dice again, right? Like you have you have a guy who didn't wasn't that great his rookie year. He's in a questionable situation. He's already 24. Let's let's keep that in mind. I don't think people old. pay attention to that. Yeah, it's everyone's like, oh, second year player. Uh, he spent six years in college, so yeah. he's he's older. Why would you not want to re-roll for a guy for the RB four who goes to Atlanta, and now all of a sudden you have a 21-year-old Devin Atkane in Atlanta. And maybe maybe you don't even like him that much. His analytical profile is stunning, I must say. Um, maybe you don't like him that much. But he has that value floor of Rashad White for at least a season, and maybe he hits it, and now he's around three startup picks. So it's you, you got to be uh, insulating value at this point in the year. Yeah, and, and I know you do that all the time. And I think the the biggest thing I, I want and but you know, like I want you to talk about how you go about the rookie draft. You know, we're we're in the process right now, but in you know, our, our drafts are always that first weekend in May, you know, as, as soon as things so it's not that far away. You know, you're looking at two months in that area. 
talk to me a little bit about how you're navigating rookie drafts and how you're starting to look at your teams now. You know, you've, you've accumulated all that capital, ways you're moving around, what you're trying to do, and, and how you do that from now until you're on the clock. Because I have never seen so many draft picks traded. People <laughs> come to me and they're like, hey, I want out on this. I want to trade 106 for said player. You know, and I'm there... And I'm like, I always advocate, you know, that pick, that pick is going to go up. That player could get, you know, some some competition. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely right. In terms of how to deal with when the draft is actually going on, I mean, the number one thing is communication. You can get so much intel from people just talking to them mm-hmm. that let's say I'm at the 109 and I really want Zach Charbonnet and his ADP is the 107. Go talk to every single person in front of you and just chat with them. You will be able to figure out whether they want to draft a running back or not. You don't have to ask them outright. You don't have to be skeezy about it. But you can just find out so much. Offer them a trade with a running back in it, and they could say, oh, no, I'm planning to draft a running back. There you go. Now now you know that you got to jump them for 107. There's a lot of ways to, you know, figure this out. And I just love doing it in tears. For me – being picky is the worst thing that you can be in dynasty. You need to be flexible. You need to say, okay, I would have like last year, for instance, I like Traylon Burks over Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and Chris Olave. Obviously I've changed my mind at this point. I had them all in the same tier and I was not tra- taking Traylon Burks at the one Oh three. I was trading back to the one Oh five and taking whichever one of the three was still there. So I ended up with basically even shares of all three of them. I let other people make my decision for me. And every time I did that, I added the two Oh five, which turned into Rashad white, which now is going to turn into Zach Evans. Right. So that's key with that snowball is the word tears. Yeah. Because I see people, they, they take what we're saying. They're like, Hey, guess what, dad? I traded back from the one Oh one to the one ten, And I got a second. (laughs) <laughs> well, you, you got burnt, bro. Like we're not talking about, we're saying navigate in these tiers, you know? And I think when we start to look at that, I mean, you know, obviously Bijan's in a tier by himself and there there's, there's values that you got to look at these things. And that's why they should get in to the Patreon that we have, the Patreon that you have. Yep. It's just a way to continue to sharpen your skills. Yeah. And, and it's the tiers then. And it's, you know, the tiers now, as we were talking about earlier, I think, 106 is going to move up a tier into the 104, 105 mm-hmm. range. So if you can move from 107 to 106 right now, some people might say, oh, that's the same tier, but it won't be in two months. And right. in the same regard, you know, I had, a, I had a, a buddy on Twitter ask me today, should he move down from 103 to 104 to pick up a second rounder? It's only one pick, but no, absolutely no. not. Because in a startup draft, CJ Stroud is going to go two rounds ahead of Jameer Gibbs. So absolutely. you really, it's, you can take advantage of this on both sides and it's just about being flexible and really trying to anticipate what the market's going to dictate. And you and I have been doing that for years where we're trying to do that mentally. Where do I want to be in my startup drafts? And I don't think people look at rookie drafts the same way. They just kind of look at, you know, they're just looking at numbers and they're like, well, this is who goes in the six. You got to look at where those tiers are. You got to look at where you got to move into and, you know, for you right now, where are those clear tier breaks as far as we, we've been talking wide receivers, but I want to pick your brain even more because right now, I mean, I have Bijan's in his own tier yep. and then it, then it's Stroud and Young yep. and then Gibbs, Smith and Jigba. And we both think that Richardson could get into that tier. Let's start going from there then. So that's we have three tiers. Yeah. What's tier four look like for you? So tier four to me. I think let's talk about what it's going to end up as in May, because I think that's what's important. I think tier four is going to end up as Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, Will Levis, and the RB3, TBD. I think that's, that's likely going to be Charbonnet, but I think it easily could be Akane, it easily could be Evans, it could be Tucker. I, I think that's going to be the tier, and it's going to be based off whichever running back goes in the mid-second round to a really yeah. good landing spot. I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear because that's literally – I just released mine and that's what I have right now. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, well, that's that's foolish that you would have Will Levis that high and Richardson that high. And I'm like, it's going to happen. Like they're going to get drafted top 10 to top 12 and it's going to happen. And I think Charbonnet, I, I'm right on board with you. He's my RB3, and I think he ultimately falls in that area. Then we get to that spot we talk about, that 110 – to it's a big tier, right? Like yeah. one ten to two oh four. 
And I think there's an area there where you can, you can, you know, some people are going to have it 202, 203, but I think this is that area where you're going to start to get some real value. And who are those guys for you? Yeah, absolutely. So those guys are going to be basically the next few running backs off the board. So I'm thinking it's probably going to be Akane, Evans, and maybe Tucker or Bigsby. It's mm-hmm. it's questionable who that really sixth running back is going to be, but those next, those day two running backs, and then it's going to be Boutte, Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs, Michael Mayer, and Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid, I just want to throw out there, he is going to be the steal of rookie drafts. Yeah. I have you're going to be able to get this guy in mid to late, like this tiering I just did. I think he was the 17th or 18th guy we mentioned. I think he might even fall later than that because people always sleep on tight ends. This guy's an absolute stud who should be going top 12 in most. They have Michael, most of my C, and I have them within three spots of each other. Most yeah. people say Michael Meyer is, Mayer is up here and then Kincaid's up. They're both going to get round one draft capital. Yeah. They're both guys that I think in a, in a position that's really – really struggling over the last couple of years could both be top 12 dynasty tight ends. And I think pretty early on, you know, and I think that's, that's an area where if you, if you need a tight end, that second round there is, is going to be nice. And I think we, we listed, I mean, it's almost identical to where I'm at. And then the next tier is where it starts to get a little bit interesting. So you had that up to 204 as well, right? Yep. So that 110 to 204, guys, those guys, you're talking about starter-level well, players. Actually, sorry to interrupt. I had that to 205 because I did Okay, Mayor. Mayor yeah. and KK. Yeah, exactly. So then what does your next tier look like? So right there. And, guys, the reason we're telling you these numbers is if you can move into the areas of these tiers now, if you can move – into that one uh, one ten to two oh five. If you can move into that you know one oh six range to get into that area, move slightly right now. I mean, you're going to be able to take a guy. I've done it recently where I gave up Adam Thielen to a guy who thinks he's going to win to move right. from two oh eight to two oh three. Right. Yeah, it feels like he got an absolute steal, but Adam Thielen is just at this point just a way to move, you know, and, and it put me into that spot where now I would, I mean, if I can get Josh Downs at 203 instead of Rashi Rice, you know, or you move into that area where in a couple months that's going to look good. And you could do this moving down as well. So if you're at the 112, there's not going to be a difference between the 112 and the 203 other than your personal preference. So if you can trade the 112 for the 203 in a future second, Someone's going to be like, hell yeah, I get three guys, but I get to move three spots up. No, 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 no. We don't know. We're Nothing's as certain as we think it is. There's mm-hmm. not going to be an actual gap between 112 and 203. So go get that extra 24 second. And then next year you have 203 as well. So you basically just got two players of equal value to the one player that you gave up. And so, what I've been doing with that, and I, I've, I've been talking about it in the in the Discord, and I haven't really put much out on the Twitter. What I'm doing is I'm taking that 112 because I won my league last year, and I'm shopping it, and I did it in, in a bunch of different leagues where I'm shopping that 112 to move back to 203 and improve a player. So yeah. I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to try to move from, say, you know, Devonta Smith to, well, I love Devonta Smith. That's a bad example. But you're like, I'm going to try to move up and better myself at another position. I'm going to to finish that example for you because I did this exact trade. I traded 112 and Devontae Smith for 203 and Garrett Wilson. Now (laughs) that's right in my head. That's what I was like looking on here. And that's kind of the, that's, that's how you win is like that guy has no clue that he just stayed in the same tier to move back a tier of current players, you know? So I love that. I love (laughs) sometimes when we talk trades, It's just kind of like, okay, it was the same thought process, you know, and it's like sharing those thought processes with the listeners, I think is something that's, that's just huge because you're going to move around in in tiers and not move down in your rookie tiers. I I love that. Um, Talk to me about that next tier because that's where it starts to get a little bit dicey. We just got to 205 and now we got some guys, there's Zay Flowers, Tajay Spears, Um, you know, it gets a little bit more dicey in that area. So this is what I like to call the draft capital tier. This is going to look change. It's going to look so different yeah. than what it looks right now. Um, Zay Flowers is going to be in there. We know he's going to be taking top forty-five or so picks, so he's going to be in there. After that, I don't have any wide receivers in that tier right now because we have no idea where guys like Marvin Mims and Nathaniel mm-hmm. Dell and Cedric Tillman are going to go. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any of those wide. 
there's going to be names that we don't even have in there right now that oh, are going to uh, move up there. There's always the Miko Hardmans that just fly yeah. up the board. There's going to be Tyquan Thornton, you know. There's going mm-hmm. to be someone who goes to a good team at the 60th pick in the draft, and he's going to be moving up into the mid to late second. Um, other than that, I just really have the rest of the running backs, and this is where the depth of the running backs come in. So I, I have Tank Bigsby in this tier. I have Kendra Miller and Deuce Vaughn in this tier and Tajay Spears. Um, and there are guys like uh, Abani Konda and Eric Gray who could easily – come into this tier if they get drafted to an interesting situation. But it really is after, you know, we get to the 204, 205, then we have Zay Flowers. Then we have, you know, there's going to be two or three running backs in a good spot. And I personally would throw Darnell Washington and Luke Musgrave in there. So we get to about 22 players and that's where the drop-off hits. So after 210 to 11, depending on draft capital of some of these guys, that's where you're getting into the real third round flyers that we're used to. So we were talking about moving between 112 and 203. In the same regard, if you could move from 301 to 208, maybe pay a little bit more for that now than you would really want to because that gap's going to look a lot bigger in a few months. That's another thing we talk about on Discord right now is the historical hit rate of that third round is 12% or less. You know, and I think – we were talking about on the last podcast, if I can get a player in that area, if I can move around, if I can move up and lessen my risk, if I can go out there and, you know, there's so many opportunities. I use third round picks and fourth round picks as ways to get deals done. But there's also, when you're sitting there in that third round, there are players you're going to be, people are so excited to get into that area. They might trade you guys that they, they, they soured on from last year. They might trade I, you Sky you Moore, Rondale Moore, you know, even a Kadarius Tony. There, there's just guys that are like Donovan Peoples-Jones. They're not sexy, but they're giving you an opportunity where people just want to draft. They want to be in that third round where you can move around and, and try to add even, you know, go from a fourth round to a third rounder and get Lockett and like some of these guys that can really solidify your team instead of that 12% dart throw. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And you can combine two of those dart throws to get a player who is not a dart throw. Mm-hmm. So you can either take an early third and a guy like Nico Collins or Donovan Peoples-Jones to get up to the mid-second. Yeah. Or you trade off that early third for a guy like, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones or Tyler Lockett, who you know is going to produce. But I, I really do like using those third-round picks, piling a few of them together. I think you call it disguising the crap. Uh, but basically, <laughs> yeah. have have one headline player or headline pick in this case, throw some players who, oh, they have value. Adam feeling like you were saying, he's got to have some value, so I'll take him to move back three spots. That's what you got to do. But Adam Thielen's never going to change your roster. So it's, it's that type of thing that you have to do to move up into those tiers and the earlier you do it, the better. And from a startup perspective, I just want to say, because this is startup season, um, in terms of ADP, we're basically talking about the end of the 10th round is where about the 208, 209 comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also where, you know, guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Jordan Love and Tyler Algier are getting drafted. Um, so if you can get more 10th and 11th round picks, try to move up trade a 14th and 15th round startup pick for a 10th. Do that at the very beginning of the draft before anyone's drafted. No one's going to think anything of it, but you'll have gotten a huge value boost. Yeah, and it, that's about knowing it ahead of time because once you get to that pick, there's no way they're doing it once they right, see once what's you get on the to board. That pick, yeah, once you get to that pick, they're like, oh, there's five good players left. I'm not going to move down. But if you did it you know, three days ago, no one's going to remember I love that. With startup strategy into rookie strategy, it's a similar type principle. Thanks again, man. I, I, this was a this was a blast because I always enjoy chopping it up with you. I, I enjoy picking your brain because a lot of times we, we talk about having different analysts. And when I talk to you, I, I always learn something. And I, I think that's just that's just great dynasty content when you can do those kind of things. So tell me again and all of our listeners where they can find your work and anything that you got going on right now. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can find me uh, at Dynasty Zoltan FF on Twitter. Uh, I got a link to my Patreon there. Um, I just released some new tiers, so uh, you can get all my rankings and stuff for uh, for six bucks a month. 
uh, sign up for a year if you want as well. And then I'm still offering my Dynasty Diagnostics, which is, uh, you know, the original thing I launched with my Patreon. Basically, I have a model that analyzes all of your teams, where they stack up within the league and recommend trades for you to make. So especially if you have a bunch of Dynasty teams or even just a few, you want help organizing, stuff like that. Highly recommend you check out my page. Um, and also just, you know, just want to thank you for having me on again. Uh, you know, I know you and I have talked a bunch about some exciting stuff. I think we're going to be collaborating quite a bit in the future. So uh, pumped to be talking to you again. And uh, we're going to get some good stuff going once we get you back on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And you were talking startups. We're going to be starting Smash, except eight is yeah. going to be starting next week. There's two spots left, guys, two spots. So if you guys jump in there, um, we always do all of our orphans, all of our, you know, startups. It's guys in the Patreon. Get that first shot, that Discord chat in there. You know, guys want to get in, involved in many as many things as possible. I mean, you're talking about if you join Smash Accept Patreon and, you know, Zoltan's Patreon, you're looking at less than $10 a month. Guess what? Your ROI on that is going to be insane. I mean, we talk, Mike and I talk about it a lot. I mean, we... We want to 2.5 to 4x our money every year and almost do it every single year. I mean, and that, that's what we want to do for you guys. You know, we're not, we're, we're doing this to try to make your teams better, to put you guys in position. And think about that. That's two cups of coffee for the two of those, you know. Instead of those cups of coffee, drink a water, sign up for our Patreons and go win some championships. So thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process. Boom. Yeah, that was good, man.